This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas and experience, and just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Mike Bregman, who is the Chief Data Officer for Havas Media Group. So Mike, thank you very, very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Excited to be here. The uh, the pleasure is all ours, and I'm really looking forward to this. So I guess where we always start, Mike, is by asking our guests to give themselves a, a brief introduction into, I guess, their background and journey to date, if you'd, uh, if you'd be so kind. Sure. Well, I started my career almost 20 years ago in consulting. Um, I actually started off at a company that worked on category management and product shelf spacing. Interestingly enough, we had one of the first loyalty card databases that was out there. A whopping 20 million customers, which was massive at the time. Um, that got me interested in advertising because spending a lot of time on where products are set on the shelf naturally leads you to how do consumers know about the products? How do they buy them? So I had a um, few different agency holding companies I worked at, starting at WPP, went over to Dentsu after that. And, and one of the things I noticed in media land is there's so many different silos. Ad operations doesn't really talk to engineering. Engineering doesn't really talk to data science. And there was definitely a need in the marketplace to bring all of these different cross-functional groups together into a larger analytics mission. So that ultimately drove me to various roles, um, you know, trying to think about what do the different agencies need to do? How do you link creative agencies with media agencies? How do you think about ultimately the role of media within larger consumer planning? <clears throat> and that got me interested back in consulting. So I spent um, then another gig at Accenture where I focused on global marketing AI initiatives, operating models, thinking about customer marketing analytics and what role that plays, <clears throat> excuse me, for the CDO, CIO, CTO of the organizations. I actually managed a team of a thousand plus data scientists there. But then it got me thinking again, what do agencies need to do can agencies actually come back and beat some of these consulting companies at their own game? Once again, thinking about how do disparate parts of the organization work together? What are the right tools? What are the right types of actions that agencies should take to embark more wisdom on clients? And that got me back to Havas. So a bit of a circuitous route there, yep. but um, you know, a lot more to unpack there as we, as we go through the interview. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess let, let's jump into current day then, and obviously here at Havas. So tell us a little bit more about the organization and then, you know, your role within the organization, where it sits, what you're tasked with achieving, you know, what you're up to, basically. Yeah. So the, the thing that really drew me to Havas is the unique positioning in the marketplace. And it's this buzzword of meaningful. 
meaningful brands, meaningful media, meaningful outcomes. That really got me thinking around what does meaningful mean in terms of math? Because you could have the largest scale in the market for some that could be meaningful when you make very large buys with large media vendors. But it's more important than that. It's about finding the right placement, the right content, the right consumers. And really to do that, you need a really strong data-driven platform. So the executive leadership through the interview process started unpacking that for me a bit. We are in a place where we're right now in real time making huge investments into this data platform, thinking about what the ecosystem of data partners should be that we work with. And it's not just the Google's, Facebook, Salesforce of the world. It could be small CDPs. It could be companies that are privacy safe, secure sandbox environments. It could be companies that help to give us unique real-time signals, but the, the power of the platform is that we ultimately come back to our clients who are, some are very large players in their relative spaces and pharma um, and health and financial services and CPG, but it's also for the mid-sized players and the small size players who haven't quite figured out their data strategy. So the platform is meant to be more of a UN type data consortium where we bring the best uh, that exists in the industry to our clients. We're not trying to cross charge them. We're not trying to give them fake fees. Um, what we're trying to do is really help to find the most meaningful connections, the most meaningful consumers, and ultimately make client businesses you know, grow um, and track that in terms of meaningful outcomes. So Havas, I think, is really in a unique position. And my role is, just going back to what I said earlier, to bring back the smartest minds that exist in the industry from agencies, from ad tech, from consulting, try to piece that together into the uh, sort of labor force that we need in order to build that platform, to set it up for success, to interface directly with the vendors and our clients. And once again, hopefully to help um, us win some more new business, bring on some exciting clients and, and help the industry. Nice, nice. Yeah, um, great insight there. It's, I mean, it's always fascinating for me when I, you know, speak to people like yourself to hear why people make the career choices they, they make and actually given my line of work. So, so thank you for that. So I guess in terms of the marketplace and consumer data, and I guess obviously the whole debacle that the whole world has been through, especially over the last 18 months or so, but I guess just more holistically, how, how has that marketplace for consumer data changed? What I see is two trends in the industry right now. <clears throat> so one is fragmentation. There's a significant amount of new entrants that are coming in that are challenging how data should be stored, how it should be collected, a lot of clean rooms as a concept that are being um, set up. But there's also a lot of fragmentation in terms of larger players. They're separating from one another. They're creating their own walled gardens. And I think it's really an interesting trend in that they're trying to protect consumer privacy because they, they don't want their data to leak. They don't want external vendors coming in and hacking through and um, you know finding ways to invade consumer privacy. But at the same time, they're using that for some of their own um, growth gains. They don't want competitors to know what their unique advantages are in terms of targeting, um, in terms of identifying the most valuable consumers. So all of them are building their own platforms in a way. The walled gardens are independently going in and trying to figure out how do you attack this angle of consumer insights, consumer targeting, attribution modeling, and they're each creating their own standalone platforms. 
what I think is really interesting for agencies and consulting firms as well is we have to find a way to sit among all of these different players. How do you take some of these small new entrants, like a lot of new CDP vendors that are coming out there, geo-targeting, in-app tracking? There's a lot of these very interesting trends right now in terms of how data is collected, but more so than not, they have very specific focus. Um, a lot of these small players are focusing on one way to collect data, or not necessarily one, but you know, small, few ways to collect data. And for example, in-app tracking is a really interesting category. The vast majority of the world has some sort of digital phone. Most of them are iPhones, Samsung phones, Google phones. Um, the apps that are in there have a technology called an SDK. Within the SDK, there are several ways to collect data on how consumers are interacting with the apps. And then on the back end, there's companies that are, you know, most of them are, are fairly large these days. But, you know, five, four or five years ago, when they were starting up, they were small, nimble. They were trying to figure out how do you collect this data? How do you organize it? How do you pass it? How do agencies then need to collect the data on how consumers are using these apps? And the apps could be Spotify, Pandora, um, you know, they could be any number of different highly engaging uh, con consumer apps. Once the data is in their environments, in the SDK's environments, the, the question is, what do you ultimately want to do with it? How do you want to link it together? And when you do link it together, what does that mean for creating the next best action? And that's a really important concept because as the industry changes, the next best action could be within that platform itself through the SDK. It could be to another platform where let's say you retarget them with different creative messages. Or it could be within um, a selling environment on a Shopify or on an Amazon, but that would mean that data would need to be passed. So a lot of these, um, you know, more nimble players in the space are trying to break the walled gardens by getting the walled gardens to buy into some of these data sets. And once again, with the in-app tracking example, that's a really simple one because you know what the consumer is doing. You have the signals. You, in a lot of cases, know who they are, what kind of phone they have based on that. You have um, you know, different identifiers, attributes of who the consumers are. So some of them are resellers. Some of them package it in terms of more of a targeting platform. Some of them have moved to a measurement system. But these small entrants, I think, are really interesting because they can help us, Havas, um, as an agency partner to our clients, help to target, track, you know, better identify who the right consumers are. So just going back to the platform that we're building, which we call Converge. Converge is a union of all of those different systems and technologies. And of course, once again, we're partnering with the Googles and Salesforces, Adobe's, all the big tech players that are out there. But you know, it's more the small guys, the data folks, the really interesting technology innovators that are creating the right software, the right paths to go in and find the right consumer in real time. That's, that's where I'm most excited about changes in the industry. Interesting. And do you see, just thinking out loud here, but is that where you see the value to obviously have us as a business and then ultimately to the end, you know, end user organization? Is that where the the the, the real value is going to come in your eyes, do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. One of the amazing concepts I learned in my tenure in consulting is that when you run tests, you really need to evaluate effort versus value. And effort is one of these things that you, it's a precious commodity. There's only so much time that the team has in the day. There's only so much that you can actually do. Um, so assigning value, figuring out how much you're ultimately going to gain, what the incremental returns are 
for that investment is really key. There's a million partners that are out there in the industry. There's a million ways to test. There's so much creative, so many clients. So what we do is we actually have a value scale that we assign to various clients. Um, that scale can be anything based on how big the overall audience is, what the targeting opportunities are. So is it a one-time, is it a multiple, is it a 10-pole event? Based on the opportunities that are out there for testing that medium, that partner, that channel, that trigger, we then figure out how much effort it's going to take on our part. How many people do you need? Um, how sophisticated is the platform? How much more you know, data-driven design do you need to do? And then based on that effort versus value equation, we then design certain theoretical tests that, that we want to do, certain hypotheses that we want to test in the market. And then once those hypotheses are out there, we build various experimentation design, um, lift models or data science models to figure out what the returns are. So it's a very linear type of equation, but like I said, there's, there's so many ways to spend time in the industry today. It's really important that we have the right focus and that for our clients, we'll evaluate the value. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole piece around ROI and value fascinates me, right? Because this debate just <laughs> rumbles on and, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a gray area with cost and what what is value? What does that mean to the organization and, and so forth and so on? I guess going back to the thing that you were talking about earlier around the walled gardens and, you know, these clean rooms popping up, I guess what's been the impact on the industry overall of those changes, in your opinion? The change has been huge. Um, you know, it's unclear exactly what the industry is going to look like in 10, 20 years. But I, I can tell you this, consumer identity, consumer privacy is going to be a very guarded asset in the industry. And I can see that because the value of consumer data continues to go up. At one point, I mean, this was pretty recent too, like seven, 10 years ago, consumer data was sold pretty freely. There were data brokerage houses you can go to. You could buy CRM records. Um, you could target IDs from Google very freely. Um, there has been a, a lot more of a rigorous data governance process that all of these tech vendors have put upon the data, hence why it's become that much more of an expensive commodity, much more expensive value. What I think is really changing the status quo is consumers do want to be targeted. Consumers do want to see things that are relevant for them. They want to have the right message, the right product. If they're in the market for furniture, of course, they'd love to see 20 different manufacturers show what their products look like. Um, if they're looking to do um, you know, some sort of home building project, they, they'd want to get all the options in terms of who the, the local vendors are. So people, I, I think, do want to be individually signaled out as someone who's in market for a product. What they don't want necessarily is for a random company to call them out of the blue and say, you need this. So what's happening in the industry right now, and I think Google is leading the way on this, is instead of saying there is one person who's a unique needle in a haystack, there could actually be 100 people that are of similar mind in the market for it could be an identical product. But based on sample size, based on significance, based on scale, um, what I've found is if you target one-to-one, -one, and that's ultimately the vision of media agencies to go one-to-one, -one, you could actually get lower ROI than going 10-to-one. If you go, let's say, 1,000-to-one, you might not have enough specificity 
to target consumers. And in that sense, it's not really personalization at scale. It's more, it's still segments, but it's it's broad. There's a sweet spot somewhere in there between one to one and a thousand to one, where you actually get this nice bell curve of higher ROI. What I found is one to one, unless you're doing CRM, which can easily be one to one, it's more of a you know, free to send out an email more or less. You have to pay for the platform, but there's no CPM costs to get an, an advertisement or message out there. So one-to-one in CRM definitely works, but to get one-to-one in paid marketing, where you're targeting through social, programmatic, search, et cetera, there's a lot of costs to find that consumer in each of these individual platforms. When you're talking a thousand to one, you're not getting that relevant message out there. So what I've seen happening in the industry is, advertisers are, they're still hungry to get their custom content out there, but media partners are creating more of these groups of consumers, clusters of consumers. And the platforms that they're building are also designed not necessarily to measure one-to-one. You know, the, the old vision was you find a consumer, you know that they've gone to a website, opened an email, clicked, and then bought a product. I think that's a pipe dream at this point. We can unpack that more later. But the idea that you have an individual consumer journey just doesn't work. What I think happens in most of these platforms as they're tracking respondents is it's groups that have a similar path. You have 100 people who have searched, gone to website, and bought. You have 300 people who have clicked, gone to website, seen the ad on social, bought. Because you have combinations of users that go through the same journey you can then target them with specific um, triggers or touch points you know, in paid media. So one of the really interesting things that's happening right now is privacy still real, one-to-one targeting, very difficult. Consumers want personalized messaging, but it may not actually be one-to-one. It might be the group that's identified as having that trigger and that flag. And then they get that group of 100, may get a similar message that they think is personalized, so it meets both the needs. It, meet, it takes the privacy um, checkbox and it takes the personalization checkbox and it finds a way to make it through to the attribution and measurement world where I live. Yeah, I mean, th- that that whole piece between privacy and relevancy and I guess innovation to a certain extent, it, th- that's fascinating to me because it's kind of like, and I guess, you know, if you think about your world, Mike, managing that from you know in its entirety what does that look like in internally in terms of your your setup and structures in terms of you know obviously not wanting to overstep the mark on the privacy piece over here but trying to you know i guess be as relevant as possible and and get to that so-called pipe dream if that makes sense yeah there's a few things that we're doing first and foremost i've set up a customized group that we call martech and data consulting within havas there's a lot of different ways to talk about privacy. There's privacy where partners own the data for you and you are less liable in that case. And we're working quite closely with a handful of partners that have helped to set up privacy safe um, sandbox environments that we can do our data science and, and run with. But what I think is really important is that there is data that's a bit closer to the agencies. Historically, agencies have stayed away from privacy. Um, we are in a position where through our converged engine, we're partnering with a handful of vendors, but we're building our own tech on top of it. Hmm. So we use their safeguards, their data storage processes, their data governance, their architecture, but 
we have the ownership of the platform ultimately, and we can go in and create better targeting with different DSPs, <clears throat> you know, different types of um, ad tech vendors, different types of media platforms. We can help bridge those one-to-one -one connections from our converged engine directly into the media environment. It's still privacy, it's still safe, and our MarTech and data consulting team is at the heart of that. So they're building sort of the blueprint, the architecture of how that platform should function, what the best in class standards are for identity resolution, data processing, mapping across different um, you know, parts of the consumer funnel, working with different vendors. The, the challenge, I think, when you set up that sort of platform and you ultimately link it into the media environments is how do you find the right connective tissue to make it meaningful? Because at the end of the day, it's a box. You're, you're building a very sophisticated box. You've got a lot of engineers that are helping to hook up pipes. The, the, the sort of sales pitch that we tell to our clients ultimately is that this is software that's part of their ways of working. If they can sync up their marketing organization, their media managers, their media planners, and they can fully understand how to take their first party data, push that into this converged engine, which once again, privacy safe, it's our way of working, it's our internal agency product. But if we can get the client's marketing organization to align with the use cases for how we build the platform, how we ultimately customize it for them, and what that sandbox means. And this could be a simple use case of, we take their um, CRM loyal customers, we find ways to segment them within the tool where we have different types of groups that we create. And these could be hundred person groups. We then figure out what the right value is to assign to different tests, as I talked about earlier, all of those. And then we target them with various kinds of touch points, creative treatments, um, hypotheses for driving more, more return, more engagement with consumers. All of those tests, all of those um, kind of data-driven pipelines, those are use cases that need to be defined alongside our organization and ultimately where the clients are looking to go with their organization. And that's a really tricky balance as well. A lot of clients are looking to build their own converged product with their own CDP vendors. We have our tool. Our big differentiator right now is, as Havas Media is our converged platform can sit, it doesn't replace what clients are doing. It actually sits alongside their product and the two can cohabitate together. So it's more of a UN construct where we're creating the framework, we're creating the process, the workflow for privacy, data sharing, identity resolution. And if clients want to engage with our platform, that's 100% available. It's part of our agency contracts. If clients want to use their platform, they can synchronize that to ours instantaneously. And we find the connective tissue through different um, ID mapping tables with partners, through ways of working. But the most important step is the marketing organization on the client side. They fundamentally understand what they're looking to do with the, the data product that we're building. We are enhancing and investing quite a bit through our MarTech and data consulting team, through our data engineering team, through our data science team, we're looking to upscale what that product can do. And then at the end of the day, we're looking to have that two-way share with clients where we're looking to enhance and provide value for everything they're trying to do as a business. Yeah. So I guess the collaboration then between the marketing piece and obviously the data 
capability and product services solutions that, that that you guys are i guess are working on and building in to make you know these use cases more meaningful for for your clients how do you go about getting that collaboration right because i guess my experience tells me in doing a lot of these podcasts and you know uh, there's sometimes an awful lot of politics around, around that stuff, right? Between, yeah. you know, structures and, um, you know, kind of syncing them together to get the best outcome. So h- how do you kind of tackle that piece? The, the biggest challenge, I think, is making sure that you're talking about the same things. A lot of clients, when you talk media, they're talking total investment in a specific marketing channel or they think about planning against the specific audience. Usually it's a demo-based audience. Sometimes it's you know, a more customized segment within their buyer pool that they're targeting. But media to them is more about planning and targeting and user engagement is more an internal owned media function as in website, CRM, push notifications. So a lot of clients tend to separate data-driven actions and consumer data into those two buckets that there's paid media, which historically has been broad, you know, broad segments. There's owned media that internally they do need sophisticated platforms for. And most agencies like Havas have some sort of people-based platform these days. We're all competing in a, in a similar space. And there's a lot of, you know, similar types of jargon and buzz out there. What I found really helpful is you have to give the clients a use case. If you have highly engaged CRM audiences, they open your email, they click, they go to the website, but they don't book, how do you then push that same audience into media in a way that you can very quickly elicit a response and get a trigger, get a signal? And even if you don't, what is the right type of frequency for targeting to that consumer? Should you target them 10 times, 20 times? What's the right efficiency level for how you talk to them? Or even better, should you engage with your creative agency then to create some customized messaging or some templates or a message to them. I, I think it's that connective tissue that really gets the clients interested because they say, absolutely, I have this really engaged audience. How come you guys haven't even used them today? And that opens up the can of worms. Well, you know, we haven't had a platform to push the data into. We haven't talked about where exactly to apply in terms of media. Um, and, you, and you get into this really rich conversation of action and tactics. And what I find is, there, there isn't enough connective tissue today between the CDO organization and the CMO organization. The marketing organization and most of my clients is looking to get a lot smarter. They are looking to get a lot more sophisticated in terms of how these platforms and the tech is evolving and how it works. But many of them come from historical planning backgrounds or they come from branding backgrounds where they talk more about messaging and branding concepts, which is great. I mean, every organization needs some sort of higher level thinking about marketing strategy and marketing comms planning. But the CMO, I think really quickly needs to become more of a CTO in some ways. They need to understand the technology. They need to understand how to get the right media into the market to the right consumers. And I think the CDO, the chief data officer, part of the organization has historically controlled that tech stack. And it's been a very difficult two-way share. So I think the challenge is less about Uh, media agency and marketing organization on the client side. I think it's more getting the media agency, the CMO and the CDO together because the chief data officer is talking tech. The marketing officer is usually talking about branding and audiences. Agency, of course, wants to invest in the smartest ways, but all three of us have to work together. And I think most of the time there's a challenge that exists more on the client side 
between the CMO and the CDO organizations, once they get together and they figure out the right tech for their use cases, and once again, whether it's our tech or their tech, it doesn't really matter. We can find a way to sync the two, but all of us need to come together and, and figure out what the alignment is yeah. to get to the right you know, place for the media. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just from experience, I guess, you know, as with a lot of things within our industry, it comes down to irrespective of whether it's, you know, media or marketing or, or otherwise, you know, there's almost this kind of cultural shift within organizations that needs to happen for CMOs to be okay, right, you know, I can I can trust the data because often you know if you think about advertising, it's often been you know big ticket, big sexy, expensive campaigns that and that just feels right and that's what they've always done and it's been a gut feel like you know business evolved for you know many years before we've started to become more savvy around the numbers and the data to to kind of trigger those decisions. So it's um, it's certainly an interesting space. I guess how do you get to the point of defining? what use cases you're going to go and try and make meaningful? Because I guess there's, there's so much to go at, as you mentioned before, right? How, how, what's that process look like of identifying, okay, you know, these are maybe the one or two things that we, you know, we think hold most weight for the organization. Yeah. I, I think historically what agencies have tried to do is utilize consumer attributes and more psychographics, demographics, um, you know, survey panel-based data, which is great when you're planning around a broad audience. The trend has been to get signals and flags, which usually come from website and media, but there's still this separation between CRM targeting, in-person, experiential, um, or in-app, or geolocation. There's a lot of other data sets that are more real-time that can be synchronized to form media actions. And a lot of the use cases I talk to clients about are, where do you know your consumers are truly engaging and providing true signals with the brand? Um, CRM, which is oftentimes managed by a different agency that specializes in email content, they do their thing. There's usually a website owner that is trying to customize content on the website and they're doing their thing. There's a media agency that's trying to figure out the channel mix and how to target consumers. There's a creative agency that also has a brief around a specific audience, and all of those somehow exist in an IAT fashion, interagency team. What I believe is the use cases should be to combine several or all of those together into one. So the combinations and how you link them together, once again, is based on value and ultimately the effort, but let's just say creative, CRM, and media, those could be three really interesting teams that could come together into one use case. You figure out a dynamic creative optimization use case. You have a creative agency that formulates a template. This is how consumers want to see the digital advertising. You figure out what sort of products or messaging concepts you want to put in there and how you want to add those to the template. The CRM agency then gives you a list of consumers, and that list can be based on the ones that have opened, lapsed users, purchase, and some of it could also be linked to first party from the client side, you know, known, known purchase habits. You've got creative that's creating the, the design. You've got CRM that has the data stack. You have the media agency that then is trying to figure out which channel or which partner to go to. And it could be as simple as advertise on Google. It could be advertise, you know, through another digital network. But those three coming together, that's a really powerful use case. And that could unlock a lot of budget. 
There could be more complex ones where you try to figure out five or six different touch points. Maybe, you know, in auto, there's a lot that can be done on the website. Consumers can go in, they can build a car. Building a car is a massive, it's a very strong flag that a consumer is interested in that car. How do you then target to them? Should that be a phone call from their local dealer? Should that be a list that is created online where there's a huge amount of frequency and a huge amount of dollars that goes after that consumer? How do you generate the lead to a sale? What's, what's the right level of investment to go from lead to sale? And there's all sorts of different types of journeys that can be built for that group of consumers um, in auto. And that's just one example. Hotel travel is another one that's re very relevant these days where website triggers and how consumers engage um, in planning their trips as a way to unlock more future uh, sort of motivators for investing in that consumer group. So I think the use case is bringing different parties together at the same table. It's trying to figure out things that haven't been done before. You know, it's very simple to say, we'll take a million dollars and we'll buy television advertising and we'll optimize. That's the more traditional paid media strategy. But to do that across four or five different marketing channels and connect devices and think about consumer signals and work across agencies, those are use cases that I think need uh, an operating model and uh, a data governance strategy as much as a data tool and a data product. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess how is the and, and you've you know spoken quite openly about you know the 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 importance of the technology in all of this process, but. How has that kind of tech landscape changed and what's been, you know, the outcome and the impact on, on the industry as a whole? I found that there's there's a lot of overused buzzwords that are happening <laughs> in technology right now. Yeah. Um, cloud is one of these, transformation to cloud. Um, everyone is using the cloud. I don't think it's really, you know, a big aha uh -huh these days to put your data from a local on-prem server into a cloud server. So that, that's one type of technology that I think needs, needs someone to double click into it and figure out what do you do in the cloud. There's a lot of buzzwords around personalization. I mean, I've probably said it 20 times in this <laughs> interview alone, but within personalization, it's once again, what do you do with what's the right type of platform that you use for personalization? Is Salesforce your partner? Is Adobe your partner? Is Google your partner? Is Are you working with any number of CDPs? I think technology and you know personalization, a lot of these concepts need to be sort of unpacked. But the, the bigger challenge that I see that my, my clients have when they talk about innovation is what is the right flow to experiment in technology? How do you really know whether it's time to do a large RFP and bring in a huge vendor? How do you know whether um, the organization itself is ready for that big change in technology? I think as I don't I don't think most CMOs, most most CTOs, most CDOs are unaware of the changes that are happening. I think they're keen to enhance where their organizations are going and to sort of involve the technology partners that they work with and, and how they synchronize data in their environments. I think the challenge for them is more how quickly do they move and what does it mean to say you're moving to the cloud or you're moving to personalization or you're moving to attribution. I think it means different things to different teams. And, uh, you know, depending on how honest those C-suite executives want to be, I would say success is very varied uh, across um, how they implement those platforms. Maybe they've done a really great RFP 
Maybe they picked a partner that had a really good story and, and good case studies, but to get products sold through an organization, heavy technology products sold through an organization and abide by the standards that the organization has in terms of ethics and privacy and security, it, it takes time. And it's a very long process to figure out what the right way to utilize these technologies has been. So I, I, I love data science. It's been one of my favorite um, areas of innovation recently because data science has gone from aggregate level, what's happening nationally across month to month into how do you predict the thing that the consumer is going to do next? And machine learning and AI, I think, are at the heart of that. Machine learning models, deep learning models just keep getting better and better. And predicting actions, training these models to do deep learning and thinking about how the technology is then being applied into the platform, into the use case, is just getting better and better. So what I've tried to push my clients to think about is, yes, invest in cloud. Yes, push all of your data into an environment that's easy to access, quick, um, you know, agile, that allows you to get real-time signals. Definitely invest in personalization platforms and think of ways to get you know, your data harmonized into one central stack. So you can think about consumer journeys and omni-channel use cases, but then you need some sort of engine on the back end. And data science, I think, is really the glue that a lot of organizations overlook. They buy a platform, an e-commerce platform or a CDP, they push a ton of data into it, and then there's a so what. What do we then do with it? How do we, do we activate everyone that's in there? Do we vary our spending? And that then comes back to agency partners or consulting firms to figure out how do you organize that data in a meaningful way? Um, and then how do you get it better and better over time? So, I mean, we can unpack that as well. Data science, I think, is a huge, huge area of innovation that I think will power how technology is utilized in the industry and ultimately evaluate what the, the outcomes are of that technology. Yeah. Obviously, you know, throughout the the answer to, to that question that Mike, you were talking about data science, you know, the, the technological capabilities that has allowed that to happen and, and I guess innovation. And then, you know, on the other side, the whole privacy piece. And I guess to go back to what I mentioned before around ethics as it as it were. Um, and a lot has been made out of AI ethics and whether that's actually even a, a thing or or not. But uh, I guess how do you get that balance right between trying to innovate, doing all of that stuff. And, you know, the, as the old saying goes, just because you you can doesn't mean you should and, and all of that type of thing, right? But I guess we're we're always trying to step to that to that line, right, of innovation, but also whilst trying to remain within those parameters of doing the right thing ethically, or in some cases not, I guess. But uh, how, how do you get that balance right when you're running an organization the size that you're running between, you know, the, the two the two pillars, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, we never want to infringe on how our clients' data is stored. Um, we, we never want to go in and infringe on how our partners should be utilizing that data. <clears throat> um, there, there is definitely a line in the sand between over-utilizing specific PII data and um, infringing on what consumers have agreed to. So you do need to look through the agreements. You do need to work very closely with partners, especially in, in CRM and in own media, to make sure that you do have the right 
to use the data, um, to retarget, to track consumers' actions. We oftentimes work through various partners to make sure that the, the compliance is there on the back end, that we are abiding by privacy standards and the security of if we do get the data, usually it's not the PII itself. It can be in some cases through different partners. But what we try to do is double hashed IDs. We try to make sure that once we utilize the data, there's no way to actually track it back to a real consumer. And that when we do target them, it, for the most part, it's not um, in a way that's invasive. You, you don't wanna overstep that fine boundary. But the experience journey and how you target consumers, I, I think that's a really complex problem that a lot of our clients are trying to solve. What does the journey need to look like to ultimately get the consumer interested enough in the product to buy it either now or buy it later? Um, and I think in the industry, there's still this really complex Rubik's cube between brand advertising and performance media. I think they should work hand in hand. A lot of clients think of brand advertising as target a lot on television, you know, just buy a lot of television and you wait three months, you look at your awareness levels and hopefully they go up. That's a very old school way of looking at it. I actually think there's new models that have been built with different survey panel partners where you can take, let's say a set of consumers, target them through set top boxes, then get the data back if they viewed it. And all of this, once again, is through secure pipelines. There's no creepy tracking. Um, usually it's it's Hulu data sets or Roku or LG um, or Vizio. You know, there's a handful of partners that do pass the data out of their environments into some of our data partners so that we can go in and analyze through ACR technology what consumers are actually seeing, how often they're seeing it, and then from there track what the next actions should be based on their histories and their um, you know, behaviors and their, their ways of shopping the category. All of those can drive brand performance. They don't necessarily have to be performance and conversion today. The technology that's out there, especially for ACR and connected TV, allows you to see who the consumers are, how often you're advertising to them, how engaged they are with your brands, and then marry those data sets together. So it's a real good response mechanism for seeing how you then take, um, let's just say exposures with engagements and plug that into an equation where you then predict outcomes. If you can build that, that marries this world of brand advertising and where creative has historically been with the performance world where a lot of data-driven agencies have come from. The, the journey aspect, once again, it's a little bit hard to do for an individual consumer to say, John watched this ad on television and then John went to the website. That's not really how it works. And because we're avoiding that concept of looking at John um, as a theoretical person, we're looking at the group of Johns that gets us away from the privacy concerns. Um, and then ultimately within a data sandbox, you can group all of the Johns for this ACR data set. You can see how engaged they've been with products using loyalty card data or you know, whatever the category is that the consumer's in market for. And then when they ultimately buy the product, you can see, is it because he saw the ad or the, all of the Johns on average saw an ad 25 times and 25 times on Disney networks 
happens to be the best, just as an example. And then you can synchronize that back into a larger um, sandbox environment with Disney as a partner. Like all of, all of that could be a really interesting experiment to then see how many dollars and how much clients wanna then go in and embrace this idea of a connected consumer journey that is omni-channel, that's data connected, um, technology enabled with specific partners. And I'm, I'm just throwing Disney out, but you know, it could be a dozen different partners that our clients wanna go really, really um, you know, hand in hand into the market with and share first party data. But once again, it's the consumer journey and the landscape and the technology um, and, and the ability to go in and analyze that that's really changed how all of these different systems and processes work together. Yeah. In terms of kind of brand image and recognition and I guess the experience that a consumer has with that brand, I know obviously that plays quite heavily into what you were saying around the journey of getting that customer to effectively buy your product, whether it's now, whether it's down the road, and I guess getting that balance right of, you know, how aggressively do you go after them? But I guess how much is it front of mind for these brands in terms of wanting to create a positive experience just in terms of that engagement in in whatever form that is? It's it's really critical. I think what what has been a challenge with media in the past is that you didn't get a lot of feedback in terms of what the media was. You would execute large creative campaigns and you would track impressions. Sometimes you track clicks. Um, sometimes you track video completion rates and those are good metrics to get general engagement on creative quality. Some of our clients do copy testing. Actually, a lot of most of our clients do copy testing where you try to figure out recall and response. But what you don't usually um, track when you have media in market is what are the long-term impacts of that advertising? Usually our clients are trying to look at it as a set and forget. You put it into the market, you have a campaign for X amount of months, and then you take it off. And you hope that by having campaign after campaign, that there's a cumulative growth impact in terms of how consumers perceive the brands. What we've started to move to is more multi-KPI, um, multi-equity trackers that we can then build data science models on top of to predict how much the advertising creates that cumulative impact on the brand equity growth for our clients. So as an example, we could track metrics like value, we could look at reputation, we could look at recommendation. Those are oftentimes secondary metrics. Most of our clients are looking at awareness, you know, sometimes consideration. But if you look at things like reputation, that's something that's very difficult to move. And there's gonna be certain types of messaging and content that our clients are gonna need over a very long period of time in order to grow that. So I think there's, historically, there's been marketing mix models and marketing mix was all based on sales or traffic or you know some revenue-based proxy, business-based proxy. What, what we have been huge, Havas Media have been huge advocates for because we believe in meaningful outcomes and meaningful media is you should look at more than just sales. If you can build a good brand equity model, a statistical equation that helps to predict how you're marketing and how all of your various media can drive things like reputation or recommendation, you then have a secondary scorecard. Yes, of course, the business comes first and our clients all want to drive revenue, but they have to look at how their product is perceived in market because the last thing that they want is for sales to come down and they don't have the right rationale or reasons for why. If they can track what the 
um, sort of drops in the bucket are over time for reputation, because it's not all going to happen at once. It's very hard to move these metrics. But every individual ad, every individual campaign will help to move those up. So we have a number of different tools that we've created for things like wear out. We are looking for ad stock and how marketing effects build over time. We're looking at ultimately diminishing returns and when you advertise too much, what, what happens. But this idea of cumulative brand equity growth alongside today's conversion, they should all be one model that's linked together. And that's something that we're very heavily investing in as an agency. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes complete sense, right? And I think we're, as a society, just more attuned now to the facts of like brand awareness and recognition and the facts that, you know, those returns are not always instant, right? And it can take a bit of time and making sure you get that experience for the consumer, right? Because, you know, it might take six months, it might take three years, who knows, but eventually that may convert, right? So that, that experience has got to be spot on, but I guess it's uh, definitely difficult to to measure and track that stuff but so it seems like you you've you've kind of found a way to to move that needle um so what does the the future look like then mike in terms of data analytics world in you know marketing and and, and media in terms of the competitive advantage angle from the consumer yeah we at havas media believe in the concept of a village when we talk about the village it's bringing multiple parts of an agency together into a new type of construct where you have leaders across different disciplines sitting at the table together. I think smart people all want to do great things for their clients. They want to do smart things for the agency, but they oftentimes don't understand what folks are doing in other groups. And a lot can be lost in translation. One of the things I've learned in the last year and a half as we've been sitting in our basements, staring at our computer screens, is it's, it's super important to get on camera, to talk openly about the success that we're having in our specific lines of business or in our functional areas. But it's even more important that we find ways to synchronize a lot of these groups together into a common way of working. Um, and I think data and tech can be that glue. Oftentimes, like I said before, creative agencies can use insights around consumers that they don't necessarily concern themselves with outcomes. You know, what are the ROIs of the marketing? Performance agencies can be too centered on performance and forget about the brand. You know, media agencies may think too much about investing and not. So there, there needs to be a common glue. And I think a people-based data platform or data engine, as we're building right now with Converged, is really the future of where the marketplace needs to go. Once you're able to get all of these um, consumer signals, once you're able to think about what the historical value has been of all of your experiments, if you have the right data science models to predict what the value of targeting different consumers or advertising with different messages is, you then have a really smart um, sort of crystal ball into where the marketplace should go. And I think that the pushback I get sometimes is, well, isn't that going to hinder inspiration or isn't that going to hinder um, creative thinking? Not at all, because the data is sort of free-flowing. You can use it. It's a very passive data set. If different parts of the agency structure want to use that as a way to guide their planning, great. If they want to use it as a way to guide their creative development, great. If not, it's a good just record keeper for what has worked and what hasn't worked. I think a lot of times clients, agencies tend to over-test and they tend to over-manipulate and the results can be somewhat spotty. 
So having a structured platform where you track all of your tests, all of your consumers, all of your responses, all of the creatives in a very organized taxonomy with the right attributes and signals with an organized model for predictive analytics, that can be a really powerful instrument to not just work hand in hand with the clients on as a way to improve their marketing agenda and their technological know-how, but it's a way I think to bring an entire agency holding company together. Um, and like I said, the challenge that a lot of agencies and clients have is you have disparate teams that are super smart, but they're working in silos. So I think the future is specialization is still key. We have to find the best engineers, the best data scientists, the best ad ops people we can, the best data consultants, but they have to understand the business problem from another angle and they have to have a common shared uh, resource that they're all working off of as a way to grade their homework and as a way to collaborate and find smarter uh, ways of solving the problem that is growing our client's business. So I think the future is really rich for data. Um, I think the future is really rich for data science. Um, I think you will need a lot more engineers. There's no shortage of demand for, for data engineers these days. And it's another one of those overused buzzwords, but people who understand how to work in large data sets. And it's funny, I started my career, like I said, with 20 million loyalty records. And we were using an old Oracle server that was in a small uh, closet. Every time you open the closet, you have like 300 degrees of sunlight <laughs> beaming into your face. The technology has changed so dramatically. I mean, it's so fast to access. We used to get these physical um, drives that we used to have to insert that were in maybe like 500 gigabytes or one terabyte. Now we talk about petabytes. Mm. Um, tens, hundreds of petabytes of data that we're storing, thousands of terabytes of petabyte. So the data is just going to get faster and faster. And I think it's ultimately bringing it back down to earth and coming up with the right use cases, coming up with the right models for analyzing performance. And like I said, hopefully helping our clients to grow their business. At the end of the day, that's what's most important. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's a really good message to finish on because I think we're probably all guilty of maybe getting overexcited right about what the data can do, what the tech can do. But ultimately the only reason that any organizations getting involved with this stuff is to ultimately make their business better. Right. So it's about right. choosing the right, the right use cases and making sure we, we kind of turn all of this stuff into some kind of value, whatever that may be and whatever that means for the organization. So Mike, look, really appreciate your time. I mean, me and you could probably sit here and, you know, chat all day but i am conscious that you probably need to start your day so um look we'll leave you to it i guess if anyone listening to this wants to reach out pick your brains about anything they've heard today interested in working with you guys what's the best way for them to to reach you you can always email me mike.bregman at havasmedia.com perfect excellent mike well thank you very much um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and we look forward to seeing how you guys get on likewise thanks so much Cheers. pal Bye. talk to you soon that's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free 
to reach out to me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week. Bow, 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 bow,